I found that they were starting drama in these primary schools when we went there. And I was starting it really early. Like, these kids were, like, eight. And they yeah. were, like, calling it drama. And that kind of designation and putting it within, like, school framework. This is a drama class. That's what starts to lose the play. Like, that's what starts to put that kind of... That's why I feel anyway. That's what starts to put these, like, frameworks around the way you play. The best actors are just people who never learn. Um, stop playing. Cops and Robbers is a kid. And then they've still got that spark. Listening to An Actor and a Mic, a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of Australian artists. I'm Griffin Walsh, and coming up today in episode one is an interview with Blake Hohenhouse, an actor, writer, and a colleague of mine who's finishing his final year of a Bachelor of Creative Arts. We discuss our stances on the current state of art, including its value within contemporary Australia. We touch on many of our fears and wishes for the future, and Blake's dream to bring art to rural towns. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick breakdown of what you're getting yourself into. An Actor and a Mic is an interview-style podcast. I'll be interviewing not just actors, but directors, writers, personal trainers, musicians. I really wanted this podcast to focus on more than just actors, as this industry has so many moving parts more than just what we see on that screen or stage. I myself am currently studying performing arts and wanted to use this project as a labour of curiosity, as an opportunity to learn more about Australian artist journeys, young and old. And I wanted you to come along for that journey and hopefully you'll learn something too. I'm already learning things, particularly around producing a podcast. like. For instance, this interview contains the special guest of my pedestal fan, which can constantly be heard throughout it. Next time, I'll be sure to turn it off. And that's about it. I'll be back at the end of the interview, where I'll be mentioning next week's guest and giving you some details on how to contact the podcast, like emails, Facebook pages, that kind of thing. So I'll let you go. Thanks for tuning in, and yeah... Let's get right into the interview with Blake. So hey, welcome to the first episode of An Actor and a Mike. Uh, my name's Griffin Walsh. I'm joined by uh, Blake Hohenhouse here. Blake. Well, hello. <laughs> um, hey. Uh, well, I'm a second year. Third, third year, year, my friend. Yes. Third year. Yeah, it's 2020. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Going into my third year of uh, Bachelor of Creative Arts uh, degree, majoring in Theatre Studies and Acting. I think that's the official Where at? term at uh, the University of Southern Queensland. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, a, sec- I'm a second year student at USQ. Yeah. And that's how we, that's how we know each other, actually. Yeah. So... Yeah, going in my final year of the degree, it's a bit daunting. Um, I imagine. It's hard to know what... I think that, like, I'm excited for the year. I'm excited for what's going to happen. Um, I guess a few projects on the sidelines, but it's kind of... I'm already kind of thinking past the end of the year and thinking about what it looks like uh, for me on the other side. Are you terrified for that 
end of year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, I've through the degree, obviously, I think I've seen other third years... Flourish. Yeah, flourish and, and grow and graduate. Um, yeah, I've seen, like, third years uh, flourish, flourish and, and, and really kind of grow and do some amazing things. And yeah. I know, like, a lot of alumni from the uni who have done some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having close friends in, in, in years ahead of me and talking to them now and just seeing that, you know, it is, it is really hard to kind of, I guess, find... It's not like, you know, I keep saying this to people, it's not like, you know, with a nursing degree or any, almost any other degree apart from creative arts, I guess, you're walking out with this piece of paper that says that you're qualified to do, like, a, a job that often when people need them, like, you know, people need nurses, you know. Um, but, you know, with this piece of paper and this degree, you kind of walk out and you're kind of not sure what to do from there, like, how many people need actors and where they're going to go and, you know, sure, there's there's a lot of people who graduate the course, that kind of naturally, who, who haven't really found work and are still kind of looking to find that. Um, and people get it sometimes, like, five years later, they just, like, get their break, suddenly able to do this stuff, or some people just walk mm. straight out and get it, but it's kind of that ambiguity is, like, the hard part, I guess, the, the daunting part. And I think that's that's valid. I think one of the most terrifying things for me is the idea of, of money, mm. the idea of being able to live off my art. Mm. Like I want to I wanna be able to produce things that I can get paid for so I can do more of them yeah. and do the things I love, but I'm terrified that it'll I'll always be a barista and a bartender that sort of does art on the side. Yeah. I want art to be the main and maybe I'll do baristering on the side kind of thing. Yeah. Is, is money such a massive factor for you as well? Oh, like, absolutely. It's like, if you, honestly, if you look back through part of, like, parts of history, mm. you look at something like, say, the Berliner Ensemble that Bertolt Brecht kind yeah. of was, like, the head of. That was in a time in East Germany where there was, like, it was, like, part of that kind of socialist regime and, and the mm. artists were just, like, paid to do their, their work. They were just given, like, like there's this high value put on the these artists and the work they're doing and now kind of they've permeated through history um yeah they have and are like whilst east germany was certainly not um the best place to live great um <laughs> it, you know like it's interesting to seeing it, the way art's treated in different parts of history yeah to go back to money it's kind of like very much in in australia with you know arts you know the arts um constantly being cut yeah constantly cut and the arts like um department yeah being rolled into that other one recently what that, eventually, what that really means is that the funding gets cut and arts, you know, a lot of the payment that people get, a lot of payment that I see people getting, if they're not doing, if they're not actually creating commissioned work or being employed as a specific director, producer on a certain show, a lot of the developmental work, community work are very much driven by government grants that then bolster, like... Their ability yeah, to be able the, to make those things. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And the whole idea is that it's creating this cultural cycle which is super important for like culture in general and it's so um, necessary oh absolutely. I, I i hate that so much that there are these cuts to it yeah. and and i understand people's worries that their their money is going to things that are being wasted yeah. but like if you take example of these fires that are happening right now there are so many artists mm musicians, comedians, mm. um, people selling like prints on, on shirts that yeah. they've designed, so graphic designers as well. They're all raising money to come together to help those in need. Mm. And how do you not see an, a necessity in that? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's as simple as it yeah, is, Yeah, you know? it's, it's hard to... 
don't know. Because, like, the, you have your arguments that it's just taxpayer money going into... Like, obviously, I think I'm certainly, and you're probably very biased towards the arts. And it's sometimes hard for me to see... Things around that. Yeah, like, it's hard, like, because I haven't lived a life without art being, like, such an integral part of my life. But, like, I think, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of culture that we rely on, like, a lot of the kind of, like, um, crutches that people rely on with identity mm. as well. Like personal identity, whether or not you believe in the arts, people are often really solid about their personal identity. And a lot of that comes from the arts and what they, they, they like in the arts. Yeah. Like the love of a certain art piece, uh, a certain kind of film, you know, that, that becomes like a huge part of them. But, like, yeah, money, it's, it's scary. It's, like, mm. I um, definitely... I definitely know that for a fact that it'll be a case of working mostly yeah. in like a retail or hospitality job, which I have both of now. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And just kind of holding on them, I guess, and just working it until, until I get the break. But yeah, that's everyone's, that's everyone's goal, right? Finishing the degree and then walking out and being paid. You know, I know someone who's recently got employed by a theater company recently graduated and then I was on salary mm. and I don't have to worry about anything else. And that's, and it's great. That's, that's a, phenomenal like just a for phenomenal them. That is the goal. Yeah. And that's the goal. Yeah, I, I brought scary. up money because I, a main, a main demographic for this podcast mm. will be people in high school or people mm. our age who aren't in uni who were thinking about getting into arts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want people to come and join us really. Mm. I want more people in the arts industry. Oh yeah. Sure. And, and I want people to stop being so terrified of it because Australia seems to have this prolific notion that arts is not worth it. Yeah, we have a huge kind of... Um, honestly, I feel like a lot of it comes from like a kind of cultural cringe cultural around cringe. like Australiana and like that kind of stuff. Because I yeah. think as though... Like I think if you ask a lot of Australians what their favourite film ever is, it's very rarely an Australian film. That's and very if you, true. If you, if you ask them what kind of what it means like what they think of australian films that it's very rare kind of my own experience mm. for anyone ever to name one that they actually enjoyed and like i've that's seen important. some i've seen some good ones mm. um i probably can think of one that's like my top 50 but i honestly i haven't seen enough you know but i think that's because a there isn't enough out there there's b not enough kind of um access to it um, and, but you find a lot of Australian artists now are very much moving outside of Australian kind of like they are spheres mm. and going into you know other things like you know even like someone like um, David Michaud who directed Animal Kingdom he recently directed The King which is on oh, Netflix yeah. Tim Chalamet yeah and I saw that Rob Patterson that was great really good yeah, yeah great that was really good but like that's what I mean like he's moving away from this kind of like we're losing our talent because yeah. there aren't facilities here that embrace yeah, it yeah and I think he was like with Animal Kingdom I haven't seen it but I know it's kind of was like big because it was like it's kind of subverted mm. people thought an Australian film would be because it was gritty and whatever like that kind of but then yeah they get drawn away and I think that's the thing like and I think people are reluctant to maybe support Australian art or join Australian art because it's kind of like we kind of grow up with this kind of cultural, uh, yeah, cringe around like, oh, it's, oh, it's oh, Australian other stuff. It's like, yeah. g'day, mate. Like, it's an Australian yeah. film. Everyone's saying, mate. It's like, we had Crocodile Dundee. That was... But it feels like there's a lot of films that have tried to kind of capture that, like, this is that Australian. idea, yeah. Yeah, it's important, but I think it needs, like, 
I don't know, to catch up in a, in a sort There of are so way. many other stories to tell than just the Australia. Yeah. And we seem to stick to those kind of rules. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like, yes, it's important to celebrate Australian culture, but it needs to like shift in a way that's kind of um, very much like, yeah, keeps up with the, the kind of audience's expectations. You know, you yeah. look at something like the event, like Marvel Cinematic Universe, Avengers Endgame, it's like thick with its Americana kind of like. It really is. Like we say, you know, Captain America, you know, we save yeah. the world. They're not sick of that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, Americans aren't sick of that. They seem to never get they, sick of that. They love it. Whereas Australians, like, we, we'll latch onto that just fine. But if it was like. Something Australian. Captain Australia, and he mm. was like. Yeah, he'd be like, what yeah, a joke. Yeah, you're like, yeah, g'day. Like, it's, it's funny and it's a joke. Because I think. It know, would be funny. In Australia, yeah. like, I think. What like what we present ourselves as and what we actually are mm. are quite different. Yeah. Whereas I think in America and even other countries, what they present themselves are as and what they actually are aren't that different. Mm. Like that super patriotic nature. Yeah, we we don't kind of really thing. have that anymore. Yeah. So I think yeah. So it's, sorry, I want to ramble. No, that's exactly what we're here for. Yeah. I think the listeners can get a sort of idea of our biases. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to take a step back and just focus on, on you. Mm. Um, so, I like, where are you from? Have you grown up in Toowoomba? Or? Yeah, so I grew up in Toowoomba. I've lived here all my life. I'm 20 years old this year. And, uh, yeah, never moved. I went to primary school, high school here, and now I'm at uni here. Yeah, um, how do you feel about that? Uh, good. I think, like, it's like that thing, I, I definitely understand that... I'm obviously kind of not sheltered, but I guess I I understand that culturally sheltered. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I understand that even if I think I have a, like a world for a, a world view, it's like and I'll, yeah, even if I've been places, I've been there, I've learned that for like been somewhere and I've experienced yeah. it for a few days and come back, obviously. But no, even though I think I might have a world view, it's definitely just kind of insular. And I think. Yeah. I talk about small town a lot because it's this thing that comes up a lot in conversations. And if anyone's listening, who's from a small town, or you know, Toowoomba's not even that small. It's the biggest inland city in Australia outside of Canberra. Um, oh, is it? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Population wise, it is pretty big. It's pretty big, yeah. And that's the thing. I think it's this weird thing of like, it's big enough that it feels like there's something to do, and it has got me where I am. Like I did a lot of youth art stuff, which encouraged me to keep going. Yeah, I wanted to touch on like, that too. Yeah, you know, and that's like. There's been a there's a great culture of art here. By and large, the culture of Toowoomba is rather conservative and a little bit uh, about the arts. But there's some really like strong uh, cultural leaders that are really permeating that. But I think it's it's small enough then that I can feel like I've outgrown it yep. and then go further. Because I was wondering, I was like thinking, I said I can't remember. I was talking to a friend, and I was like, if I lived in Brisbane and went, you know, because there's similar kind of youth art stuff in Brisbane. And if I grew up through that, there's unis in Brisbane. Went to that uni. When I feel the impetus. To then move, like what I feel like, what's next, Melbourne? Like, what's next? You know, like. Or would you be happy with Brisbane? Yeah, and that's the thing, yeah. and it's like I think I'm almost, I oh, don't like, don't worry, but like blessed to to be in this position where I've grown, and then I have more room to grow. Like I you'd think, be terrified in Brisbane that you would sort of grow and yeah. then not feel the need to move other places. Yeah. You'd be like, ah, oh, this is actually fine. It, well, yeah, but I think if that was the case then it would be fine for me. Then, yeah, I guess. But right now, you feel the need to... If you are in a rural town, mm. you've grown up in this culture, mm. and now you feel the need to move on to the major cities. Is that where... Is that where you believe your best places for sort of expanding your art? 
Like, yeah, like, I think it's just got to be, at least to begin with. Because I do really love, like, Toowoomba really isn't that rural. It's basically a it's, city. And it's a, a city. Like it's a, it's honestly, a and I've city. been to Canberra a few times, and it does feel very much like Canberra at times. Mm. It's that kind of just, like, big, busy, suburban yep. thing, you know. Uh, but even, like, it's very central on the centralized on the uh the east coast because uh if you like tim mentioned he this i saw an interview with him talking about because he grew up in perth and like whoppers there yeah like the western australia uh performing arts performing, academy yeah you know, one of like them. That. Yeah, yeah yeah in that <laughs> largely considered like probably like the second best acting institution yeah. in australia that's big now um but like even 30 years ago well even now if you you can graduate from that, but then you come to the East Coast, you know, and there's centralized areas of this kind of thing. But I love, like, I've been out to some rural towns, just, you know, um, trips and stuff, camping trips and stuff, some really rural towns. Part of me would love to go out there and just kind of invigorate an arts community out there because it hasn't yeah. been done. You know, it's like big fish, small sea kind of thing. You'd but love to do that. I'd love to just kind of, like, yeah, see what can grow out of that. But also, like, yeah, Brisbane's, a, like, the closest hotspot. Mm. And then if I go to Brisbane, then the next one, you know, and it's just... There's things happening all the time. There's facilities there. and Sadly, a lot of the funding gets focused in capital cities. Yeah. Because it's like, I guess it's just population. It's so, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but. I understand it to yeah. a degree. I think, um, what I think was interesting out of that is you wanting to go to rural towns and trying mm. to spark up some sort of artistry there. What would you do? Like, what sort of, would you do performing arts there? Would you get them to paint? Would you... <laughs> Like, what, what do you think you would do? Oh, I'd definitely probably perform the arts because that's my kind of background. But mm. it's like, I think arts in a community can really, like, Change invigorate things. it and, and start some really good conversations. You know, you look at even, like, those people who go out and paint those murals on the, the, the mm. seed silos. In the, in the and middle of some of them are amazing. Some of them are amazing. It's just an artist that comes out. Often they just paint faces of the people who live in the town. Come out and just interview those people and just paint on the side of these silos. And then... A, it, it puts a puts a kind of mark on the map. It makes it a kind of destination kind of thing, especially if it's an installed piece of art. Um, but it also kind of creates a kind of... Unity? Yeah, just this unity, this yeah. shared kind of love it's of nice. like something central. Because I think, you know, like people are always looking for something to kind of gravitate themselves around. Like I think throughout history, the dominant kind of thing has been religion, which went hand in hand with art for centuries. Mm. And it was like if it was... If, there was art, it was religious. Yeah, that's true. Um, it was, you know, religious centric. And, you know, through history, there's all sorts of movements like nationalism, all that kind of stuff that essentially there's just been people banding together over something. And in small towns where, you know, there's not a lot going on for, mm. for a lot of these people. Yeah, that can be like some paintings on a silo can be that kind of thing. Can just, I think, I think it is so necessary. I think it will always come back to that, that it is necessary to have some sort of artistry in your town to make you feel like your life isn't just work. Yeah, and it's like entertainment. It's something to experience. Well. Yeah, it's just something... Like, aesthetics is something that could be quite powerful for mm. people. But yeah, with performing arts in small towns, it'd be like... It'd be hard. It'd be hard. But I think I often... I, honestly, it's often with the youth. Like, I have... I'm a little bit... Um, so I haven't figured out my, like, my opinions on, like, youth drama and stuff just because... Not because, like, I'm talking more about, like, the age at which it starts. Because I did some work in a high, uh, sorry, in a primary school mm. with the, the age of the kids. I found that they were 
starting drama in these primary schools when we went there. And I was starting it really early. Like these kids were like eight and they were like calling it drama. And that kind of designation and putting it within like school framework, this is a drama class. The best actors are just people who never stop playing. Cops and Robbers is a kid and then they've still got that spark. Mm. And if you can lose that and relearn it, but that's like with these kids, you like, they were like, we came in and we were doing workshops with them. We weren't really coding it as drama. Yeah. We we're just like, we're just having fun. We're doing similar kind of like Acting learning exercises. experiences for them. But as soon as you put that layer of work over it, that's what starts to lose the play. Like that's what starts to put that kind of, that's why I feel anyway. That's what starts to put these like frameworks around the way you play and you get marked on it. And there's a, there's a requirement and there's a, you know, and that kind of thing really like, really like puts me off, especially in primary school. It's like a lot of kind of like, there's a beginning to do this thing of like, oh, we'll get drama in early, we'll get drama in primary schools. It's like, look, you can, but just please don't call it drama. Drama, like please don't call it anything. Like just call it something else that infers that they can just do whatever they want and then guide it in a way that like fosters growth rather yeah. than be like, no, this is what you know, you're being this person, you're being that person. It's like they're too young to like have lost it. You know, they don't have that cringe. They don't have that, oh, you're being silly yet. You know, these yeah, kids... they don't feel bad to sort of just let loose and yeah. like. Yeah, that's... and when you put that on it, then... I literally saw the difference. I saw like us as being like, you're a plane, everyone's a plane, brum, brum, brum. And then them was like, oh, so the. Show us like what they've been working on in class, uh, and they and just I'll... didn't speak. They were looking at me all awkward, and I was like, "Just brought what's the difference here? Like, what's the difference?" I think it's like the framework. I, I personally feel all my limited And this is all what you learned from doing that youth program. Uh that was no through uni. Yeah, it was so, CYPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a class through uni where we got to go and work with some kids, which is just like so good, so terrifying. So I should put on a caveat. I'd love to do youth art stuff, but God. Oh, kids are just like... I'm Terrify just, you. Yeah, I'm just really afraid of doing the wrong thing. They're so... Malleable? Yeah, and impressionable. And impressionable and it's like, um, but impact, yeah. Yeah, um, so... So yeah, there's a youth arts ensemble in Toowoomba. Which is, once again, surprising because we were just talking about how conservative it is. But there's, yeah. there's, there seems to be an art base in this rural town. Yeah, and it's like... Um, like, it's heavily supported by the council. Um, mm. The Empire Theatre is the biggest... God, I think it's the biggest proscenium arch theatre in this side of the country, outside of the capital city, or maybe in the whole country. I believe that. It's a, it's a lovely theatre. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. Um, so it's got a huge history. And I think, you know, it's got a huge history of classical music and, like, a lot of, like, more conservative art. Ah, um, yeah. But I think it's got... Conservative art. You know, like, not to politicise it, not in a political way, I think more in, like, a... Just what it was. Yeah, like in a more historical kind of like, yeah. um, you know, oh, I'm going to go listen to some classical music. Because that's you know, what we do. Yeah, people aren't like flying off the walls and like, you know, yeah. claiming to bring down the government. That That's not what it has a history of, you know. Yeah. It's this history of these like you know, grand performances and musicals and stuff, which is, um, seems to sell really well. Musicals sell because it's, and they work because they've got so many people. And I think that's the thing, the musicals definitely prop up the, the empire, but... Thankfully, we've had some great artists come in and, and through the years passing down this torch of running this youth arts uh, ensemble. Mm. They have their youth arts classes and they have this ensemble where you develop a, a piece over a few months and then at the end of the, the, that time you um, you perform it over two nights. So I, I was, cool. had the opportunity to be part of that ensemble twice yep. uh, when I was 16, 17. It was just great. Do you think you learned anything from it or do you think it was just kind of a weird you getting a chance to play again oh both 
Yeah, I definitely learned stuff from it because yeah. I think the way it's kind of structured is that it's not just like you sit down and write. There's a lot of like creative development and drama exercises and play within that. You know, as an ensemble, you get very close to everyone. It's mm. basically just a club where you're all you're all just hanging out, but you you're working towards this goal. Yeah, I think I both. Do you, do you have? Did you always have an inclination towards theatre, or do you think just having those opportunities gave you that chance to sort of go into it? Yeah. It's a it's a super interesting question, actually. Yeah, I think. My, my earliest memory is watching a kid, watching a movie as a kid and saying to my parents, I want to be an actor. Really? Yeah. And then being like, oh, well, you go, you're going to have to go to acting school. And I was like, oh, cool. That doesn't exist. So. I don't know, know what that is. Yeah. Like, that frame of reference. Yeah. yeah like... That's nowhere near me. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Like, you know, it was like this thing of like, oh, I need to look out for a big building that has acting school written on the top. And I've never seen that. So I guess there's none, none near me. Yeah. You know, I think. But um, I was doing drama in high school. I enjoyed mm. it. I'm, I'm heavily into film and TV as well. Like I'm heavily into film. I think my my goal all the way through high school, most of high school, was to do a film degree. I am glad that I didn't. Um, oh, really? Why? Yeah, I find that... And this is just a personal thing. Like I think I've seen some great people come out of film degrees and heaps of people really enjoy film degrees. But I feel like personally, I've felt in the past just from briefly what I've seen at like open days and stuff that it was very much focused, at least the ones I went to. So I'm not, you know, it's hard to generalize, but, um, it almost felt like there was this focus on like a more kind of commercialized film, you know, like, a like, you know, you become second camera operator yeah, and then you point the camera operation. and you press the button, you know how to press all the buttons and pull the focus and you know how to frame right. Yeah. And then you, people are going to tell you what to do and you're a technical operator. And I think technical, technical operators are fantastic and everyone needs them. But I don't think it was really for me. So, like, for me, I've found, like, writing and even, like, some little direction things I've done, I've really learned a lot that I'd love to kind of, like, inject into kind of, like, my own kind of small-time film stuff. I'm not kidding myself that without a film degree, I'm going to land on a big set. Yeah. But I don't think that was ever really what I was asked for anyway. Like, I think it, this theatre degree has been a more artistic degree than what I feel like I could have gotten from... That's what... But that maybe that's just me personally. No, I mean, I would agree that something that surprised me about this degree was that it didn't seem to focus as much on making you an actor mm. and it focused on making you a creative, mm. something that you in yourself can be able to go out and make things. Because yeah. I, I, like very first day they were telling us there's not a good chance you're going to make it. It's like, oh, Jesus, that's mm. a bit rough. But um, the case for that is what we'll do is you've got to make your own work. Mm. And so we're going to instill you with skills mm -hmm. to make your own work. And that I've been influenced, um, maybe perhaps indoctrinated hmm. very heavily into that idea. Yeah. That making your own work as a creative is leaps and bounds more important than getting out there and making that money and having those chiseled abs and making yeah. sure that like people know your name. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I feel like if that's your goal, like it's the chisel abs and like that's that's a fine like that's a great goal to have and I think it's a lot of what a lot of people obviously have ended up having but I don't know if it's yeah I don't know I think it's not for me yeah and it's it's less achievable I think because you have people coming out of this degree who went in thinking they're going to be an actor yeah. and have walked out actually being an academic mm, yeah and isn't working towards a PhD or you have people yeah going in thinking they're going to be an actor and then walked out and started a theater company and now produce shows yeah that's you know? cool and like 
But I don't know anyone, actually I know one person who, as far as I'm concerned, graduated, you know, this is probably, you know, I know one person, alumni, I guess, who, as far as I'm concerned, graduated and then got into acting and has just kind of done acting acting to kind of, and obviously other work, but Mm. like other jobs here and there, but just done acting. Like I think a lot, most people, like the, a lot of the actors that I know that have come out of USQ and I like, I could be wrong. I don't know every alumni obviously, um, but have gone out, done acting sure, but then also done all these other things. And it is that holistic kind of, cause I think it's almost a pragmatic approach, approach to yeah. art to, so what we were talking about before that it's, if you're going to become an artist and you want to become an actor, mm. but you want to just live off your acting. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, like, it's, it's difficult. Like, even this person that I, you know, just briefly, like, mentioned before, this person was in uh, Alien Covenant, but he was still between jobs. Like, this is... Like, so, he was in a massive motion picture, and yeah. then nothing. Yeah, and that, but that's the way a lot of them live. A lot of them, like, obviously, if you're, like, an A-lister, you're going to yeah. have your big budget film, and you don't need to work for another year, you know? Like, yeah, and you're good to go. You're good to go, and that's... Right, and a lot of actors do that. Like, I don't know, like, Daniel Day-Lewis, he's, like, considered one of the best of the, like, our generation. But, like, I swear he does, like, one movie every ten years. Yep. And then just keeps the money and then... Yeah, he's like, bye. And then, like, some talented director will, like, come to him and it's like, I've got this idea. I really Please. need you to play it. And he's like, yes, I'll come out of my cave. What? For this one thing. What do you thing. think you would, like, that's such a weird thing. So then, okay, you are now an actor and you take a job every year. Mm which lasts you, I don't know, two months of filming, let's say that's generous. Yeah. And it's it's a big picture and the money will save you, you're fine for the rest of the year. What do you do for the rest of that year? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel me, like yeah. that's, you need to find other outlets than just acting. Right? Yeah, actually, that's true. Because you see a lot of like actors these days who aren't, well, I guess that's why actors don't stop. It's very rare to see an actor that does even one movie a year. Like mm. an actor's on a... If you look at any actor, like A-list actors, like um, filmography, you'll see if there's a if they're in a big blockbuster, that might be the only film they were in that year. But otherwise, but they're, they're doing in, multiple. Yeah, if they're in like a few indies or like a, mm. like a family drama, where it's like you know two cameras in a house for <laughs> yeah. months and that's the film. Yeah. Then it's like yeah, like they're gonna keep doing stuff. I think because I think everyone, well, Bold general generalization. I think everyone needs to keep doing things. I think people, everyone's looking for meaning all the time, you know, to, to kind of search for that kind of like, what am I doing? And I think even though you know we look at these actors, as like mm. gods, but they're still like, what I don't am have I doing? Anything to do? What is happening? Yeah, <laughs> man, I finished that job, but what if I never get another one? It's like it's interesting. Like Robert Patterson, I love. Robert Patterson, yeah. uh, listeners, if you haven't seen Same. anything other than him in Twilight, please go see more of him. He's in The King, like I mentioned before. It's a great film. It's on Netflix. His in, French accent in that was phenomenal. It's so cool. Uh, he's in Good Time. Yeah. Have you seen Good Time? No, I haven't. Watch Good Time. It's amazing. Okay. It's his best, like, I think it's his best work. It's a beautiful mm. kind of character study. Currently, as of now, it's on Netflix in Australia. Yeah. Um, but check it out. It's just, it's awesome. But, like, yeah. He he's playing the Batman in the new the Batman. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. So the new the new Batman movie. Um, he's playing the Batman. Wow, good on him. And yeah, and but I, I, there was an interview where someone asked like, "So you're playing Batman? That's obviously a superhero. People are super like they kill they go for blood if you don't do it right. Mm. Like, what do you feel about that?" And he was pretty much just like, "Look, no one can be more critical 
of me, then I'm critical of me. Yeah. Like, this is, like, this huge big name actor being, like, oh, I don't care about criticism because I already hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, like, it, it's interesting seeing the human side of things. And, but just, like... So they forget their people. Yeah, like, there's definitely, like... I think... And, like, he kind of hates Twilight. Because yeah. I think it put him on the map early, but it kind of, like... Killed him. Shoehorned him into something. You know? Yeah. Because that's the other thing. You know, even with Home and Away actors, Home and Away is an amazing opportunity for Australian actors. Neighbours, amazing opportunities, but a lot of people feel like they get then stuck in it or just shoehorned into like, oh, that's Home that's, and Away. That's actor. who he is now. It's hard. It's very hard to not get stuck into something like that because it's like, I've been given this opportunity and even that opportunity can kill any other future opportunities. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I don't know, I still think it's worthwhile to look and try for any opportunity you can. Are you a big proprietor of, like, take any job you can get? Ooh, yes. Like, I want to say yes, because I don't have, <laughs> like, realistically, yes. Like, if I got a job, I'd be like, yes. Mm-hmm. I think there's a whole even, like, ethical that you got to think about. I, um, I think that's fair. You know, and I've, re- I've been to some talks, um, at, like, an art gallery with some artists who... I'm becoming kind of like some mural artists, some mural artists, some mm. street artists who are becoming kind of nationally renowned in their work and being asked to do something for a clothing brand that they like knew had like some questionable like supply chains. And they were like, yeah, look, I took that job because it paid me. But then like a few years later, they were asked to do the same by a similar thing. And they're like, actually, no, I'm in a position where I can, where I can say, no. say no. And that's a privilege to be able to say no. I think that's, that's the thing, right? It's a yeah. privilege to be able to let go. Oh, actually, no, 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 I'm in a position where I can say no to this job. This this thing that yeah. will give me money. Yeah, and I think, so honestly, like, from a starting level, I think you've got to, yeah, I think you've got to take what Just you can get. take And, everything. like, get what you can out of it. Like, if you're apprehensive about, like, what you're going into, like, I've just taken, like, a few, like, freelance film stuff, and I've done things that I've just been like, I have no idea how I'm going to be in this space. How I'm going to be able to film this. I'm going to feel awkward about this. And but I took it and learned from it. I think that's the thing. you got to take and learn. If you take a job, and it, then you learn and don't take that kind of thing again. Yep. And you learn your own worth. And that's a big thing. Is, yes, taking everything you can at the start, but then actually figuring out what your um, what your work is worth. So mm. if someone's offering 100 bucks and you do it, and you're like, God, when I figure that out, it's only like 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, so I had to like, get there and set up, like, see the thing, I had to get there and set up, I had to do this, and I had to do this. It's up. like, maybe I had to do, like, pay for parking. Or yeah, fuel, yeah, exactly. So it ended up exactly. being, like, 50 bucks. Yeah, and it's like, there's travel on top of that, and it's like, you then go, well, I'm going to ask to do this kind of thing again. That's like a $300, $400 gig. And I personally am really bad at it. I've been chastised a lot by, like, mentors for not being, like... Give me more money. Yeah, because really? I'm just like, yeah, because I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm starting, like, I don't really have a very high opinion of my own work yet and i'm starting out it's like man i wouldn't pay that much you know but like when i look at other people and it's the work they're doing and it's like this is good work i'm kind of matching that and I'm they're like, getting paid so yeah, much more. Pay more it's like oh no i can't ask that and i think yeah it's like this weird thing about like because art isn't like i guess it kind of goes right back to the start of our conversation because art isn't particularly valued as much as it should be in kind of australian culture at the moment artists are unplaying their own work too like a lot of people i know i've heard stories of people taking freelance like freelance work for free oh, yeah and it's just like you know like that's great because it gets you in these like gets you out there gets you in these doors and i'll often 
like we've, <laughs> we've been doing uni for three years. We've been paying the uni and like we're doing this kind of stuff and we're not getting any money for it and we do love it. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, hang on. No, I love this. Of course I'm going to just do it. Like this, but it's like, then once you start doing that and you get a name for yourself, this is the point where I need some money now. You know? Yeah, it's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I need to also live. I need to be able to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, <clears throat> it's just hard. Like this, I guess I'm just talking about the difficulties. It's fun. It's like there's a joy to it if you if it's what you want. Yeah, it's thrilling to kind of see a project that's completion. Do you do you know that you want it? That's the other thing that I've I've always questioned. Like, yeah. is this right for me? Am I secretly dumb and no one's told me yet? Yeah. And like, am I really crap at this and I shouldn't pursue it? Like, are there insecurities that obviously plague you? But is there a way that you've found around it yet? Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's that huge thing of, like, a mantra that I've kind of taken on this year, mm. from the end of last year this year, is kind of, like, moving out of my own way. Because yeah. often what I find is that, you know, even something as simple as, like, a late assignment could have been, like, I spent a lot of time with that uh, those worries in my own head. Like, a lot of time being, like, oh, I'm not capable. I'm not capable. Uh-huh, and then, but, like, when it comes to the crunch of it, it's like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, cool. I'm not capable. I gotta get something done, and then I just like, like I say, move out of my own way. Like I literally take a step sideways. If there's two versions of me, one of them standing there talking, the other one's face being like, you're not able to do this, and then he just steps aside. I just put him to the side for a second, and then just do it. And I've seen work that I've done. And I'm like, God, this is an okay. This is a pretty good essay. Like, but imagine if I just literally got out of my own way three days earlier. If I just did it. But yeah, and it's the same with like any other piece, uh, like any other art stuff as well. It's like, it's you, I think it's just a huge thing for me with, you know, like I, you know, a lot of anxiety and stuff, but it's like, yeah, moving out of my own way. I think that's, if that's, that makes sense. It's like that thing of just like acknowledging that you think this about yourself. Yeah. But realizing that that's, that's great. Like that's, yeah, cool. If you feel that way, work on it. Mm. But just put it to the side for a second and just like imagine if you didn't have that voice and then just do what you were going to do anyway. You visualize like, it as... as yeah, yeah, I literally visualize it. And it's like that thing of like, well, even if like once I move out of my own way and do it, cool, the other guy was right, but at least I gave it a go. You can only learn from things like that. I yeah. think that's one of the things I'm doing with this podcast. Well, yeah. This is gone completely in the opposite direction <laughs> of what I wanted it to go. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not you. That's on me too. It's It's so curious. This is such a new thing for me. And I'm... I was terrified going into it. And... I'm terrified for the future of it. And posting it online for people to critique, I'm still terrified. But I think it's something that I want to do. I want to learn a new skill. And I cannot be afraid of failure. I just have to do it. Yeah, because, like, if you're... The fear of failure is almost like this paradox... Like, if, you're, yeah. if you're afraid of it, you'll never it's do it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, if you're afraid of it, you'll never do it, so therefore you fail. And so that you have two options. Yeah, you're afraid, you have your fear of failure, and you don't do it, therefore you fail. Or you have your fear of failure, you ignore it, you do it, and then possibly not fail. So there's it's one of them that's like 100% one failure. No one one's like 50% maybe. failure. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Does that make sense? And like, like, and that one, that that option where you did try, hmm. you will learn something oh, from there's that. There's something, yeah. There is always it's something to be learn. Something in that failure. As yeah. long as you don't take it so negatively, you need to look back on it and be like, "That's what I do." Like, uh, like I watched 
So I watched Buckets the other day. It was oh, yeah. my first production of um, at USQ. Yeah. And um, I was terrified to watch it because I was yeah. like, this is going to be cringy. I'm going to hate my acting. Yeah. It wasn't. Okay, good. I watched it back and went, hang on. Everything that I knew was wrong with my acting yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And everything else is okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I need to trust myself more. Yeah. And, and just go, yeah, okay, that's this feels wrong, I need to work on this. Mm. Whereas I just didn't at the time, and looking back on it, I'm like, my performance could have been so much better if I changed these subtleties. Yeah. It was such a privilege to have it filmed and be able to watch it Yeah, back. actually, that's a big thing, because I feel like, in many ways, I feel like acting training, and this is you know something for your listeners if they're considering, mm. is very much, and I'm not an athletic person, <laughs> I'm not sports orientated. This is not trying to make people be like, oh, I can hate sports, not doing acting. Yeah. That's not, no, it's different. It's, it's theatre and you'll, you'll love it way more, trust me. Yeah. But it's very much like the sport training. training. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're going to work, you know, we're going to work on our muscles for like, and like a few hours a week and we're going to work on our muscles in our throat mm. a few hours a week. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to, you know, like, we're going to work on these, and you know, you hear a lot of things, you know, from the lectures and stuff, a lot of great kind of like dialogue around like the instrument mm. and like, it's very much like, you know, this body that I'm walking around in, that's what people are going to pay for essentially. Yeah. Like, I'm an actor and I can have my emotional range and everything, but it's like, if I can like maintain it on stage, if I can be on stage acting an hour straight, five Stamina. nights a week. Stamina. You know, like that's such a big thing. And I feel like that's the thing. You know, you see like people like swim coaches film the swim, the swimmers, mm. so they can then sit there and watch it like you did and, be able to and look at their that. stroke. And it's like with visual artists, if I do a painting and put it on the wall, I can be like, oh no, 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 I'm seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, and it's not good. Yeah. It's like when you're acting, it's hard to self, you know what to I mean? Be like able it's to, hard like to you need that mirror. Yeah, you need the mirror. Yeah, exactly. And it can often only happen after the show. So I think it's that weird thing of like you actually have really kind of late. Feedback. Feedback. So it's like if I'm doing a painting and I like mess up a flower, it's not like I just keep going and then put it on the wall and then be like, look at it for the first time and go, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of mistakes there. I'll learn about the next time. It's different. Yeah, your mistakes are there. Yeah, public, publicly. Like, done. It's very like... Done. Like, yeah, it's like I sneeze mid-line. It's like, and you're like, you know, what? Can't, can't yeah. recover from that. Yeah, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's almost this thing of like, it's super subjective. Art is always subjective, but the best you can do with other art like visual art the best you can do is often what people see but the best you can do with acting and stuff might have been in your like second dress rehearsal and that was your peak no mm. one saw it you know and that's that's a hard thing and that's where you kind of go well that's why a lot of these collaborative kind of rehearsal processes are great because eventually the, you know the people actually employing you can see your growth and yeah. a lot of kind of like even you know within uni but also back in the youth art stuff within I'm sure you know you know in theatre companies a lot of the actual value or like you mark or a director wanting to work with you again yep. actually comes from your attitude and work ethic in the space and like your ability to get there. And if you you know you have a good night, you're going to have a whole heap of patrons being like, oh, yeah, no, it was awful. But yeah. if the director's like, actually, no, he just was like... He just messed yeah, up. Yeah, or he had a bad sandwich. That's true. And now he he's got a stomach, like, yeah. you know. It's like, you know, like there's... Yeah. So luckily, other people see that and see your growth. But it is publicly. It's, it's very. Um, it's terrifying, terrifying, isn't yeah. it? But like, it's so fun. Mm. It genuinely is. I get yeah. such a, a a sense of fulfillment. Yeah. When you get out on that stage, yeah. and you've got that audience, 
oh my god, are you alive? Yeah. It's like, this is... It feels amazing. Yeah. It's... Uh, I, and I think that's what will continually draw me to it. It's just this sense of being able to live mm. on stage. And film is, of course, different. But film yeah. is just as powerful, just in different ways. Yeah. And it's... um Actually, you did a bit of film work, because predominantly you've done theatre. Yeah. But you did a bit of on camera film work at the end of last year yeah as part of the course how because a lot of us in australia we started theater yeah moving into that film how did you feel um it was terrifying like i think because um we didn't the way it was set up and like it was clever the way it was set up because it was meant to replicate kind of like uh hey you've got a job uh here's a script learn it in two days and be on set uh be ready and it's like whoa, like, that's a huge shift from acting-wise from, from what we're used yeah. to, like, first year and first semester where we had these shows and we had six weeks and it was like, yeah, I'm going to come in, like, every day, four hours and run the same scene. And then, like, I know it, like, the back of my hand. We're getting this two, three pieces of paper with words on it, learning it, and then being like, all right, so now you're going to be on camera and you've got to be completely in that character. Mm. It was tough for me. I didn't do particularly well. I learned a lot from it. I had some great shoots where I was like, I really am happy with my work. And then I had some kinds of others where I was just like summer, like just, I wasn't the character in an environment. I was Blake in, in like room 09. Trying to do his best. With cameras at my face, you know, like it was, um, yeah. And I think that was like a huge learning thing as well. And I'm so glad that's part of the course because it is really like confronting to see that really, um, it's get thrown on you. Did I tell you I auditioned for that Baz Lernham film? Yes. Yeah, you did. And that they just, handed me a script and went, you need to learn a southern accent, uh, and hand it in by tomorrow. And it was just like, what? Mm. Oh my lord, was my southern accent awful. Mm. The other thing I learned is that I'm so out of whack with filming mm. that I theatre acted. That there is a massive difference and I was not subtle. Mm. It was naturalistic and it was big and bold and my hands yeah. going everywhere and and it was it was a bit of a train wreck. But I learned something yeah, from it. Absolutely. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm not going to get this job. <laughs> but um, now I know for next time that I just need to touch base with myself and my filming self. And if I am going to pursue that, I need to make a shift in a couple of things. And I know where I need to make that shift. That's great. It was really good. Yeah. I think uh, it's. I've recently been finding a new fulfillment in actually critiquing myself mm. and not just criticizing myself yeah, and yeah. just being like, Oh, Griffin. No, nah, that was dumb. Why did you say that? And I've just recently found the ability to look at it objectively Good. and be like, okay, that needs to change. Have you found that? Yeah. Yet? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like self critique. I'm like, Oh my God, why did you do that? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I found it. I don't know. I Did think... that just come through age, you think? Oh. Or do you think that came no, through? No, it just came through, like, a ridiculous amount of experiences. I felt like, oh, it sucked. Yeah. Realising there was just, like, no point to, like, beating myself up. And that's the thing, like, but I'm, I'm still very critical with the acting side of things. Yeah. Like, I'm never quite, never quite there. I never quite let myself go as enough of, like, as I can. What kind of actor do you feel you are? Because I've come to the recent realisation that there are almost two kinds of actors, right? Mm. One is an actor that is super good at mimicking emotion. Mm. He knows what it feels like and what it looks like, so he can go out on that stage and paint a picture with his body. Yeah. 
But then there's the other kind of actor that is just purely and wholesomely honest on that stage and just gets up there and just gives and just purely reacts. Yeah. He just gives it at all, you know? Like, where do you think you sit? Because I, I can tell you that I want to be at the wholesome, honest yeah. stage. That's what everyone... My God, am I a mimicker? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... And that's the thing. That's what everyone... Everyone wants to be at that point where it's sick. You're wholesome, you're honest. You're yeah. like, oh my God, this person is living this. Like, how did I ever think this wasn't them? Yeah. Like, there's like... Some of my favourite films have huge name actors in them. If you were like, quick, tell me the lead actor of this film, I'd be like, ah, uh, because I can't tell you, because I don't see Bill Murray in The Life Aquatic. Yeah. I don't see Amy Adams in Arrival. That's I see, like, these characters, and that's, like, a huge thing, and it's like, you just, some of these big-name actors are, like, the good ones are the ones that just completely transform, you no longer see them, and you might go see the movie for them, but by the end of it, you saw yeah, the movie. Like you saw this character. I'm definitely in the first category still. Like, and it's, like and it's hard to get. It's hard to transition because it is a transition from one to the other. I think sometimes. I think honestly, I'm excited to kind of do more shows. I think uh, hopefully this. Um, you know, the season changes all the time, but hopefully our first show this year mm-hmm. will have like a longer season, maybe six shows. I've only ever had a maximum of three, and that kind of like. But on the last night, I'll be like, oh, man, I'm actually really feeling some things here. And then Electric kind of like, but, you know, yeah, I can, I know the feeling. Because I know when I've crossed over and been like, I'm actually personally it's offended like, on the on the behalf of this character. Like, I'm feeling this, like, oh, yeah. personal offense. But it's not anything real. It's just this character. And I'm like, actually. You still feel it. Yeah, I have this personal love for this person. Yeah, I've, I've crossed it. Mm. But I'm definitely not there. And I've I, I've seen some people, I've worked with people who are, or I think of quite organic, but I'm definitely still kind of like use those kind of tools to kind of cross myself into that space. And I don't... Hopefully. I think this uni, this course is teaching us that that's almost wrong. Well, yeah, because objectively, it's not a good way to go about it. You sure? I there think are, so, because I think... There are so many people... That make that I see when I watch a film, mm. and I go, "You're just doing that." Yeah. Prolific in the Marvel films. Oh yeah, um, because there's caricatures like all the time, right? And so people can make a living and a big living off mimicking. Yeah. But I think this course is pointing us more into the living side, and I don't. Mm. And that's that's what that's what it is. I realized this the other day. They're teaching us to be English actors. Because that's what I've noticed. Okay. American actors are, are big mimickers, mm. and English actors come from the the Shakespeare side, the old like yeah. repertoire theatre and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they were always taught to live. Yeah. That's more that sort of, that's where that's at. And I think mm. this course is teaching us to sort of step into the like even with Patsy Rodenberg mm. is 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 what we should be doing for voice. Mm and Kristen Linklater and all that kind of stuff. Mm. They're all English, right? Yeah. I, I think A it's, lot of the kind of... Um, how would you describe it? A lot of, like, the really, like... Yeah, pedagogies and, like, specific kind of regimen of work comes mm. from uh, America... Sorry, England mm. and Europe. Like, Konstantin Stanislavski is, like, obviously huge. Um, and that's very much his thing. And I think Stanislavski has been used, like, everywhere for a long time. But, I, yeah, the course is very much like a Stanislavski kind of, like, 
It is. Trying to use that kind of technique. Everyone has their own techniques, and I, I wouldn't really... I can't criticise any of them, because I don't... I've only really been around one. But ultimately, in the end, it is a learning... Like, university is a learning institution, so they just do teach you techniques and abilities. Like, so, you know, re regimented kind of book smart stuff. Mm. But ultimately, if you walk in there, and you're a natural actor from the get-go, or you walk in there, and then halfway through, you're like, oh, that's how I do it. And then you just do it. That's great. Like, I've talked to just professional actors. Mm. And I'm like, hey, have you, do you use this technique? Like, do you, what's this for you? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, I just listen to this song and then walk on stage. Or it's like, oh, I just like, <laughs> yeah, I just go for and a run. Like, cool. And then like, yeah, and then like say the one or two lines in my thing over and over. And I do my hair the way the character does. And I'm there, you know, like, or like some people it's like, nah, like you see here, people are like, no, nah, as soon as I put on the costume, then I'm good to go. Mm. And we go kind of get, we get taught not to kind of think that way, kind of like around like, oh, I put the costume on, there's my character. Because it's hard to do in a training institution. So you have a rehearsal every day. Well, even in the theatre, you have a rehearsal every day, you're not going to be wearing your costume the whole time. Yeah. So you need to be an actor when you're just wearing black. Yeah. You know, you need to be like, you need to be that character regardless. Honestly, That's personally, true. I put on a costume and it helps a lot. Mm. The costume is a huge part for me where I always feel like, one of the last stages of me really getting into a character is wearing the costume, feeling the weight of the clothes, walking around. Because mm. often I wear, you know, characters wear clothing that's totally different than mine. Like, in my first year production, I wore a farmer's outfit. Yeah. And I was like, this big baggy oh, yeah, farmer. It was just like these baggy pants and like, you know, I could put my hands in my pocket and cock my head back a bit. And it was like, really allowed you to have that kind of physical expression. Change, that transformation. Yeah, and I think, yeah, they kind of avoid, like they're not like, they don't teach that because that's just like, Objectively, it's just not good practice for, for an actor hard. to be like, oh, I can only, dude, I need the, the costume because this is A, an arsehole, and like B, someone who's not flexible. And, and they're trying to make you flexible. This. And if you were already like that, then you have a proclivity towards acting and you don't need to be training. Yeah, I think a lot of people can just, well, I don't know how many a lot of people is, but I, don't, I think some people can just go like, oh, I'm, yeah, I can act. And then jump in with an agent and then get some auditions and get on. Like, I don't, like, there's not, realistically, there's not a whole lot of actors who are working in Hollywood, mm. I think if I'm being specific about Hollywood, who are kind of professionally trained. Actually, you're right, most of the British actors are. They're all trained to yeah. all hell. Yeah, 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 you know, like, you look at Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Which, like, phenomenal actor. Phenomenal actor. Um... British actors have kind of gone down my mind. Like Judy Dench. Judy Dench, you know, obviously. In, Helen Mirren. Yeah, you know, oh like my these, Lord. these are like kings and queens of this work. Yeah. You know, Oscar winners and Judy Dench is a friggin' James Bond, but, you know, and like they're not people who are just kind of gone, oh, yeah, give me an agent, let's go. It's like, no, these are people who are actually trained. They they fully trained. trained. Yeah, and they work in theatre. I think a lot of theatre end up having, yeah, obviously the training. Because I just don't know if like, some film actors who probably will never make the transition into theatre. Because it's a totally different experience. Oh, it's so different. Um, but I think going from theatre to film, uh, there's there's more of a yeah, more ability like a, to do that. Yeah, more of like a... Um, almost a natural progression. Mm. It's almost like that's how it kind of started in the first place. Yeah, something like that. You know, like, <laughs> you know going from the theatre and... Oh, we can film. We can uh, capture this forever now. So um, I don't want to jump in front of this 
It's a lens. Yeah, you should just go for that. Yeah. Take a picture that takes two hours. Just yeah. get a real um, But like, well, you look at early, early film, and that's what it was. It was this grand expression. It's like, my hands are in the air. Oh, my God, there's someone over there, you know. Mm. There's huge wah, wah, wah. And then, and then props. Like, you know, it was filmed on, like, sound stages, but they were essentially just, uh, like, a stage. There was sound stages. Like stage. Little, it was yeah. Like, yeah, it was a stage without the seats. You know, where the seats were, it was a camera. It was like, you know, probably a classic one that a lot of people have in their mind is like that thing, um, uh, Trip to the Moon. You know, the classic, you know, Spaceship Goes on the Moon. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and I was just like, oh, like there's going to be smoke here, just like a theatre effect. And then that, oh, that's you know, interesting as it's... it kind of, as cameras were like, oh, it doesn't have to be stuck on this thing. Mm. And it doesn't have to use so much power and it's so heavy and then, it's more and more and more and more you know, advanced now to the point where we're doing things like Running 17, which has just been yeah. released, the, the war film. Oh my god. Which was just like, you know. One long shot, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's looked like this one shot, and it, you just, this is this camera, but they literally just running along the trench. I know, how crazy is that? And then just people catching it. Like, one guy will be running backwards with it on his back. Yeah. The next minute, this crane will come over and pick it off his back mm. seamlessly, and then run on a crane. Like, that's incredible. And that's that's engineering at its best. Yes, and that's where it's like, oh, we don't have to do this in theatre anymore because we can be here. And I think technology has, given has us kind of given new. us... It's given it's given us in film what we could never get in theatre and has then kind of cut theatre down a little, I think. Because um, I think a lot of people... Theatres right now is still trying to figure out what its audience is, I think. Uh, like, yeah. you can look at, like, the bigger theatre companies and, the, you know, they have, like, this, like... They have, like diverse programming like mm. uh, Queensland Theatre often has like two indigenous plays a year you know really great diverse theatre programming that they can you know get some extra funding for and it's great and they're all, like I often see them they're great shows but the audience is like still the same it's still kind older, of older, older wealthier whiter audience I don't think they've really hit the demographics that they want to hit no because it is still kind of like culturally exclusionary like, you can have an Indigenous play, or you can mm. have a play about young people, you can have, like, plays about Maroons and whatever, it's, but it's, like, the ticket is still 70 bucks. Yeah, and that's... Which is, like, outside of... A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, 70 bucks for a ticket, and I get to catch a train, parking costs me 20 bucks, and I got to eat out, or if I'm not in Brisbane, then I got to find a way to... You know, like, that's... That's... Where it's, like, a film... You just oh, man. watch it anyway. Yeah, and if I'm that kind of person, I can pirate this. Uh, I never pirate, but personally, yeah, but don't, like, don't pirate. <laughs> Please, yeah. actors and yeah. artists and everyone needs the money. Yeah, Grip emotions. Don't pirate. Yeah, don't pirate. Don't pirate my T-shirt movie. for the um, the podcast. You don't don't, don't pirate. pirate. <laughs> Already you. selling merch. It's, yeah, on the it's first just you episode. pointing at the the viewer. Don't pirate. Don't please. For the love of <laughs> we God, we need the money. Yeah. yeah so I think uh, my final question to you. Um, is something along the lines of... I think I'll ask this of most of the people I interview. Yeah, sweet. Um, if, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to someone, let's say, younger Blake, mm. what, would you, what would you tell him? Oh, man. Um, listen. Listen. Listen and learn, like, and... Because I feel like... Yeah, what's let me down is not, in the past, is not really, like, listening 
to what other people have to say around me as much as they should. Like, taking hearing it, advice. hearing it, but then not really like applying it or taking it on board in, in, in the best way possible. I think if you want to get somewhere, take as much on as you can, filter out what you need, but yeah, give everything a, a go. Yeah. Yeah. I th- maybe that's a bit personal, but it's like, yeah, just really like listening to. to, to I wanted something around. personal from you because there are, it's, this is, each interview will be from someone different mm. and it will be from a different perspective and a different world, yeah. like a lived Sorry. experience. Mm. So different viewers will gravitate towards different lived experiences. Mm. So for you, it's to listen more. Yeah, you got to be, got to be kind to yourself. Yep. Um, but be patient. Like you got to be kind enough to yourself so that you can listen. So you mm. can open up, be like, really take it on board. Yeah, this criticism isn't like, you suck, never do anything <laughs> again. And if it's that, well, maybe don't listen. You know, no, like, maybe don't listen. Yeah, to maybe it's like, oh man, why, why are you saying this to me? You know. Yeah, if but someone if says that, don't. don't yeah, listen yeah, don't listen. But if it's if it's not, you suck, don't do this again. Don't think that it is. Yeah. Like listen properly and be kind enough so you can listen and actually get what they actually mean in so that you can, like you say, critique rather than criticize. And, uh, and so that's, that's the interview itself. I haven't asked you this, so I'm just going to do it right now Mm -hmm. while we're recording. Um, I wanted to do this kind of project with you throughout this year. I want to touch base with you every two months Mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to do something with you like touch base every two months do something like just do an hour episode and just touch base with where we're at, discuss some things, see if anything news in our lives. And then at the end of the year, um, we'll have six or so episodes to look back on and be able to go like, look how much I've changed or look how much I haven't changed or, Oh my God, why did I start a podcast? (laughs) Like there's, there's things that I I want you to be a part of that. Um, Absolutely. I'm pretty keen. Yeah. yeah, This is great. Um, great. That was my interview with Blake Hohenhouse. Uh, sort of turned into a more of an opinionated conversation, but it gives you guys an understanding of the sort of artist I am and where I stand on certain topics. Um, I'm looking forward to interviewing Blake in the future and seeing how things have changed for, for him. I'd also like to mention that throughout this process, I hope become better at interviewing and editing and the whole shebang. Um, and I believe it can only get better from here. So a few housekeeping items. Uh, The Facebook page is up and running. It's under an actor and a mic, and you're welcome to go like and follow that for updates around when I'm posting and who I'm talking to. Uh, If you wish to get in contact with the podcast to either give feedback or you wish to be interviewed or know someone I should interview, go to either the Facebook page or send an email to an actor and a mic at gmail.com. That's an actor and a mic at gmail.com. 
Uh, I'd also like to start a section where at the end of an interview during this section right now, I answer uh, listener sent in questions about thoughts on the difficulty of the industry or how I produce the podcast, that kind of thing. Uh, I'd also like to mention that I will be releasing episodes every two weeks on the Monday, starting today, uh, the 24th of February. That's the easiest way for me to be able to keep up with getting interviews, doing research, doing the interview, and then editing all of it, as well as dealing with my own day-to-day -day life things. So yeah, now that that is done, coming up in episode two is my conversation with Emma Black, an actor, director, and a co-founder of a theater company. So get excited for that. Uh, you'll catch that in two weeks' time. Uh, until then, Keep making art and being spectacular. See you then.